0: it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to another episode of the Dork Forest here in New York City. Get a rope. Uh, that's a Pace commercial that I've quoted. Uh, the Dork Forest is uh, in Hari Kondabolu's apartment. That's where we are. And sitting across from me, Liz Winstead. Hello and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on your program. And thank you, Hari, for allowing me into your uh, into his intimate space. space. He does have a great space, doesn't he? It's Well, it's right on the park. Without giving too much, we won't say which park. But uh, it's, it's sun-filled, it is, it's a very bright and, and, uh, and he's a tidy young man. And, uh, and I am staying in his apartment for 10 days while he stays with his parents in Queens. I don't understand, but I'm, I'm the Sherry. We all are, really. And, uh, it's been very cozy. We're, we're in the last days of it. I've done a boatload of things. And you have a book coming out, uh, right now, essentially, when this will drop in May, early May. Yes, May 10th. What is it called? It's called Liz Free or Die. Get it? Huh? Get it? Huh? It's a pun. It's a pun. <laughs> it's a wordplay. There's some wordplay happening. It's yeah, nice there work. is. Um, but it, it, not only is, it, it, sort of makes sense though to the sort of theme of the book, which is kind of when you're a freak uh-huh, uh-huh. and you just want to pursue safe space. We call them dorks. Yeah. Uh, you're just trying to, you're just trying to get through life doing stuff that makes you happy, doesn't hurt anybody. Right. And people are constantly just tripping you up because they don't get it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it can be massively frustrating and make you full of riddled with self-doubt. So the book is kind of hitting. It's, it's hurdles. about your, it's about my, your self-doubt and how you got over it, kind of. Yeah. And, and then kind are of. Are they essays or is there essays. Uh, an, an arc? No, there's, it's, it's personal essays that are, are, I would say it's safe to say they kind of are chronological. Okay. But it's not a memoir. Okay. They're kind of touch-tone moments of, of kind of stories that helped me form who I am, how I figured out what how power works and Ooh. started railing against it. And then <laughs> why I started to do comedy and then how that comedy sort of transitioned itself into really social commentary and comedy. Because when you started, all you talked about was your period, right? Was that constantly? No, it was hard to talk about bodily functions. No, you just, I mean, but you weren't. Uh- I was a totally observational comedian. Yeah. And some of my observations were, were social political, but some, yeah, are, but pretty much not. I mean, and it was always, um, I wasn't that particularly interested in my menstrual cycle. No, uh, no. And, and was, no one was, no, no one, one is, no one. Is. I've yet to see anybody do a real solid chunk on their menstrual cycle. And yet that sometimes is the speculation. Yeah. And a chunky menstrual cycle is something that <laughs> oh, gross. is so gross. I, uh, I'm so sorry. You said I'd, I'd like to, I, it was my fault. I was, I was the one. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are Rangers of the Dark Forest yelling, like, wow, that's foul. <laughs> moving, moving, moving well, along. Don't embarrass the Rangers. I know. They it, blush know. when they're listening. It's lovely. They, I'm going to roll for, uh, for Will Save. Uh, that's what I'm doing. And yeah. It's, uh, just a, <laughs> Because uh, I think uh, we're all being driven mad by some sort of mind flare. because I brought that up. It's a Dungeons and Dragons reference. We can move along. No, okay. no. Here's the deal. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not sure I'm your typical dork. No, no. Your dorkdom is very specialized in the fact that it's very much about um, the news and about politics and about the minutia of of who is actually running things. Right? Yeah. And injustice. But it is not a Rick Overton conspiracy theory, is it? No, it isn't. You don't have a lot of conspiracy theories? I do not have a lot of conspiracy theories. I have been exposed to plenty in my lifetime. I once... Living in New York, you can only imagine what you're exposed to. But (laughs) one of my landlords in the city was um, Professor Irwin Corey's son. Okay. Professor Irwin Corey. Defining who that is. He is... If you Google him, he Irwin, is like... Irwin, I-R-W-I-N, because yeah. I'll put him in the notes. Yes. He it was like, he was on The Tonight Show a million times. Okay. He was this comedian who, he was like this nutty professor comedian. Okay. Who was sort of a philosopher and... Johnny Carson days? Political, yes. Okay. Um, and kind of a crazy anarchist and known in that whole Dick Gregory kind of world of comedians. You okay. know, Old political. He's like, he's still alive, I believe, and he must be 100. Bible. Right. Okay. So his crazy son Richard right was out of his mind oh. and smoked pot constantly. And then when he that can, that can make you paranoid. I'm when told. he smoked the pot, he would come up to my apartment with an idea or a theory or a scrapbook <laughs> he assembled. <laughs> One was that um, he believed that <laughs> Buddy Holly was really Lee Harvey Oswald. And that. Wow. Yes. And that the, and that. There's some extrapolation. Holy and that smokes. That big bopper. Yeah. Actually, uh, was hired by the government to ride on that plane that brought Buddy Holly down. Mm hmm. And then mm-hmm. he, bang- they all got on the plane and he banged everybody on the head, and including the pilot, so the plane would crash. But Buddy Holly escaped the plane crash (gasps) and made his way to Texas and was never really Buddy Holly. He was really Lee Harvey Oswald or something. Okay. Now, that was the one that made the most sense. Wow. My favorite conspiracy There, There are pictures of both of those people, and they don't look anything like each other. Exactly. There's, there's some, there's gaping, there's trouble. There's, this is in more River about City. the pot that he was smoking, I think, than about his, <laughs> his cogent conspiracy theories. All right. Was, mm-hmm. But the one that he had a scrapbook mm-hmm. about. Oh, interesting. So that, this happened through various degrees oh. of, of sentience. Oh, yes. And so I would have to constantly like, sometimes I'd have to leave my house really early and just go sit in a coffee shop. Because he lived in the same building yes, you lived so in? so I could avoid him. Right. So he believed that Cindy Lauper yes. was the reincarnation <laughs> of Ethel Rosenberg, of the Julie, Jules and Ethel Rosenberg. Um, they were spies. Okay, who, who were a married the 30s? couple. Uh, I want to say the '50s. Okay, um, oh, 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 Cold War spies. Yes. the Rosenbergs were. That's yes. right, and um, they were, bu- and they were sentenced to death, and both died. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he believes that the song, time after time. Was written at channel. She channeled Ethel Rosenberg to write that song, right? To as a love letter to Julius as they both awaited their death. And he has all these scrapbooks and the song and pictures. And, um, yeah, so that's somebody you want to avoid. That there's a certain love. There's a, there's a a line in the sand when a dorkdom actually becomes a problem. Yeah, it's I had a guy on. And he's a, he's a good guy in many ways, 96 cats. And he was like, I'm a cat dork. And I have since become, I've since believed that that actually isn't a dorkdom. That's a problem. Yeah. yeah. I think if you have Possibly. 96, anything that you have to take care of. Right. Um, and these are not books. <laughs> no. no. Like live animals. And he said, and, and I remember the episode, it was a, I got to find that episode because 45 of the cats he said were rescues. And I was like, yeah, but that still leaves you 46 other cats or some damn thing. Right. And that's a lot of cats just to go, well, this is Binky and that's Mittens and there's Larry, Curly and Moe. And like you've named 45 of them and then the other 45 are just saved cats or whatever. And that's still too saved many cats. from what you gotta wonder? And for what? In, in a, in a, in a two bedroom apartment. Well, see, and that's the whole thing. And, and really it's like, if you have ninety cats, mm. um, those cats aren't aren't. There maybe, might not be a quality life for the cat, right? <laughs> I'm talking so I, this guy. I don't care about his quality of life, but the cat, like literally, how do you pay attention if the cat's coughing or has a <laughs> has a UTI? Oh, right, right, right. Or you know, you can't sure. you can't gauge the il- You know, no, no, so- those aren't pets. No, yeah, you, gotta, you just you have gotta, a lot of names you like. So you gotta place them on something, and I guess naming your furniture would be weird. So, bring some cats in. I like it. Have yourself a time. I'm a little loud. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, but let's, uh, let's not talk about him and his crazy cat fetish. Let's talk about, uh, politics. Oh, because God. here's the thing. So you, I've never seen anybody talk about, like, like, I've, I've met political comics, and there, there, there are really good political comics out there, but there's so much work involved in the world of, of, of politics, A, and B, political comedy. Then trying to make it funny. Right, then trying to write a punchline. You know? That's a good idea. Right. And, yeah. Well, Twitter has been this amazing tool. Oh, yeah? For that, because I watch and read the news all day. I treat my day like office hours. Okay. I'm up with my dogs at 6.30 in the morning. Eastern time. Eastern time. That's it. Uh, We walk and eat and stuff till 7. Okay. And then from 7 until probably 8. Okay. For an hour. No. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 8 p.m. I'm pretty much reading and watching and as stories break, I so am you writing. Read. I probably read online. Do you get the paper delivered? Let's ask that. I used to, but then when I started traveling, it just kind of started piling up, and right. I don't do that anymore. Okay. So but I print out um, article oh. a lot of stuff, so it's okay. probably wasteful. But, um, yeah, I don't get the paper anymore. Um, so I probably read. A couple, I read the Times and the Washington Post and the um, Wall Street Journal every day. And and those are their newspaper sites? The newspaper sites. Okay. And then, depending on the stories um, and the journalists involved, um, I'll read the local paper of where a story is breaking. Okay, so something happened in, I don't know, where? Let's say... Um, Domestically. Okay. Like D.C., yeah, well, then I'd read the Washington Post, and then I would read the Washington Times, and then I would read conservative and political blogs, some of which are very good, you know. Okay. Like, I mean, horrible. Like, Red State's the number one, probably conservative political blog. And it's, of course, a shit show to me. But, um, <laughs> they are, people go there, and the guy who runs it is also a commentator on CNN named Eric Erickson. Okay. Um, and so I read that, and then I read National Review, and, you know, credible, kind of conservative, right. um, uh, stuff. And then I read, you know, the sort of liberal answers to that, which are, you know, sometimes great and sometimes, sometimes great, mostly great. And um, Josh Marshall, uh, uh, Talking Points Memo. You know, there's tons of places I go for a story. But, like, let's say, um, you know, let's say the Gulf spill, right? Right. Um, oh, right. Uh, right. So I would read, uh, you know, the Times-Picayune in, in Louisiana. And, you know, I can't remember the name of the paper in um, – in, um, like Mississippi, Mississippi. Mississippi. but yeah, the, the paper there. And so, um, in Biloxi. So, you know, reading the local take and the local stuff and the local opinion pages of people, it's, it's really helpful. So I, I do that. Um, and then I, and, and then I, um, as I'm writing and reading, or as I'm reading, I'm writing jokes. Okay. And so I will either write a joke with a link Right. Or if the story has become of national prominence, I don't need to include the link because you basically get it. Right. Everybody's – you could just – yeah. You can find it. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's pretty funny too because with this news – with the the story that broke um, this year about – you know, the women's health issues are gigantic. Right. Right. You know, and and it's not going away and it has been going on for about – You know, 18 months now since the first Republican Congress took over and decided to try to defund Planned Parenthood, it's been an assault. So when Virginia tried to impose this law that any woman that was seeking an abortion um, was going to be forced to have a mandatory vaginal ultrasound. For what? So that she could look at Uh, her insides. Yes. Okay. Which is state rape. It's state rape like it's basically you cannot force be forced to have somebody put something in your vagina oh right constitutionally or otherwise wait wait so vaginal ultrasound is different from an ultrasound on yes. your belly they have there's an ultrasound that's called a transvaginal ultrasound are you are the darks are you listening darks go deep man okay well it does all right so <laughs> um i yes. have actually had one i had a uh, cyst on my uterus. Okay. And so what oh, it one is. One of those, one of those ovarian cysts. Yes. Yeah. No, you no, a uterine cyst. Yeah. You had a uterine cyst. So it's, it's the size of a flashlight. Okay. They put a condom on it and they lube it up and right. they shove it inside of you and they look around your insides. Wait, a large flashlight? Not like, like the kind that you take camping. Okay, I'm just like, what's happening here? Your average or is it the size of a? Of, is it the size of a regular size? Penis? Well, I'm sure there's some lightsaber <laughs> I could compare it to that your dorks could relate to, but I don't know. Just the Star Wars dorks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the bee dorks would have no idea what the okay. you're talking about. So uh you know, think of. Uh think of like a regular household flashlight or yeah. a smaller? Household flashlight. Not something on a keychain. Nothing on a keychain and not something that and not you some- has a handle. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> right. But a but a full, it takes round. it takes let's say like an inch and a half diameter. What's that? That's about a, an inch and a inch or an inch and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, and it's all it's really uncomfortable. Okay. And when you know it's happening and you've volunteered to do it because there's something wrong with you, you just sort it of feels inv- your teeth it, and It's do invasive it. enough. Right. But to try to create legislation that forces doctors right. to penetrate a woman against her will is Weird. Astounding. And right. the whole point of me telling this story Yeah, please. Um, is a they had to back down, not because The governor, the governor was all for it. Okay. Until he consulted someone, um, who said, hey, you want to know what? This actually violates the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which is illegal search and and seizure. seizure. So when you are getting medical advice, they, they, they're not, they won't send, like, it's not a rule that you have to have your urethra checked. There's no no medical reason. There's no medical reason to do this to be done. Okay. It's simply an invasive procedure. Because they don't do it when you're regularly a woman pregnant. Right. No. No. They do a regular ultrasound. And are right? you ready to kill me? Okay. <laughs> the woman has to pay for it. Oh my God. Yes. So And it's America. Uh hi. You shouldn't have to pay for something I don't want. You shouldn't pay for your own rape. Right. And the state shouldn't make rape legal. Right. And shouldn't force physicians to you know the whole right. thing's I have an article about it in the guard you can read uh today. In the Guardian? In the Guardian. Yes, it's, it's a, up on the it's on the website of the Guardian. It's a uh this won't this won't drop for a little while, but I'll I'll find a link. We'll send yeah, it. Okay. Um, so Do you use the word rape a thousand times. I use the word transvaginal a thousand times and rape a thousand times. <laughs> and what people don't know is that this law is already in place in Texas. Oh, it already it went is? under the radar because people were so consumed with other things that I think now the women of Texas are going to go back and say, "Wait a minute." So what? this is only if you want to get an abortion. Yes. So abortion is legal in Texas. Abortion is legal in the United States of America. I know it, but uh, yes. but it isn't is it? Yes, they can they can chip away, but yeah. Roe is the law of the land. Okay. Yes. Um, so my point of this yes. story was <laughs> that when this story broke, yeah, just I was, assume I don't know things. I was reading a <laughs> really newspaper the in Virginia, right online, which is called the VA Gazette. Ooh. Which, if you spell it all together online, is <laughs> v- Veg Gazette. Veg Gazette? Yeah. Veg Gazette. Which made me sort of. That made you smile. Smile. you're like, a oh, bit. I get yeah. it. So I was following all the Virginia newspapers mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Virginia blogs uh, when stories like that hit, like, Well, six Semper local Tyrannus, towns. my friend. Anyway, um. Yeah, so, um, I like to follow the, you know, who's trying to do what with the vagina. Right there's a there's and in the last 18 months there's been a lot of focus, yeah. a lot of focus on the hoo ha. Well, yeah, and happening you know, for, downstairs. And for me, you know, being somebody, and, and I guess so much of it's personal on all these levels. But for me, even as a little kid, yeah, I did not want to have kids. Okay, you never wanted children. I never, to your knowledge. no, I like <laughs> to, your to my knowledge. No, but like I hated dolls. I thought right. it was a trick. Like playing with dolls to me was like. This is a trick. I never enjoyed I never enjoyed I, I thought no. it was a bit of a rip off. No, me too. And so when I tried to make it fun for myself like mm-hmm. the doll that peed, oh, well nice. if you put the bottle in the vagina, you can make it barf. <laughs> Which when I did that, that was the point where the parents sent me home. So uh, um no, but it thought like, that was she funny. Know no, how but that. I was like, look, you can do two things. Like right. I was trying to be resourceful. <laughs> But no one thought the second part was charming. And then they would give you a stove for a toy and a refrigerator. And it would just all seem like you're like, I'm sorry. Indentured servitude game. Can can I please call up Gloria Steinem and say, I don't want to play this game? Well, and I didn't even know who the hell that was. I just knew that this seemed really boring. Right. I did not. I remember what were your favorite games though when you were a kid? I loved anything to do with like, um, Capture the flag, like being outside and hiding. Right, it a lot of hide. Take tics the tics can, tics. right, by um, yourself or with others. With others, okay. Others, okay. Um, I love jacks. I love jump rope. Like I was okay. a really good double dutcher. Right, right. Um, you know, I loved any kind of like play acting. Okay. Like in fact, I got in trouble. I, I would play mass. As a kid, <laughs> like the Catholic service, yes, mass. I, I knew the whole. Were you raised Catholic? Oh yeah, born and raised. Uh-huh. I knew the whole thing by heart, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would gather my friends, and I knew all the parts. I knew the priest part. <laughs> I knew like the audience part, and I made hosts out of Wonder Bread, and I oh. foolishly told the priest one day how. Well, because you thought excited. he might be flattered. I thought he would be flattered. Much to my. Surprise. And he was um, horrified. Right. You're eternal. Eternal eternal damnation. Wonder by Jesus. Not exactly excited. You're like, really? This isn't? No, I'm like, really? Religious? I thought it was like, awesome. Right. Because it was a religious experience for you to some extent. Well, and what was crazy was when I saw a priest, like that to me seemed like freedom. Right. We didn't have kids. Oh, right. He was on stage. Yeah. People were listening. Right, right. Holding an audience. And then afterwards, everyone's like, father, that's so a great. great. Story. You were so great. You are so great. You were so great. <laughs> and I was like, well, how that's get an option. Do- so how do I get to do that? You yeah. say, because as a kid, since I hate babies, I didn't want to babysit for my, you know, bubble gum and lip gloss money. Right. So I thought my friends that were guys. Yeah. Were altar boys. Oh, right. And they would make money on the weekends with funerals and weddings. Like five bucks, right? Raking in the cash, right? So I thought, I could yeah, they, totally. You know what? I think I forgot about that. The, yeah. Because I think at the Armenian church, the guys, if they work a funeral or a wedding or whatever, they they got a couple of bucks. Yes. And there was never an option in the it Armenian. It was money church. too. It was not like like just like lip gloss money. It was like bike money. And roller skates money. It like, was like like save up and you can buy whatever you want. Kind yeah, of money. like there was there was a real light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, okay, the, you know, I can fold a napkin and wipe the stuff off the cup and right. carry a candle. And those dresses that they wore How where old anybody were anybody fit? You, when you still thought that you could be an altar boy, I was twelve. You thought you could be an altar boy at the age of twelve? Yeah. Well, I never. Well, I just wondered why no. Okay, whatever. I asked. Because you, you don't know what, here's the thing that you have to remember about Catholicism is that this these rules are set. Right. And everybody just goes along with it. Right. So if you're a curious really little ever, kid, yeah. you're not, I wasn't trying, again, not trying to be, you a know, some rocker, radical. Right? Just going, no one, I'm going to see if I can do this. you have older brothers? One brother. And what, older or younger? Older. And was he an older boy? Yeah. And when did he start becoming an older boy? I don't remember because he's nine years older than me. Oh, they're too old. Yeah. Right. Cause right. if he would have been two years older than you, he would have started doing, cause they start when they're like seven or eight. No. In, well, near me in the Armenian church they do. No, I think they're like nine. Okay. So I, I was around 12, uh, 10 or 12, let's say. Okay. So I go. To the priest. Again. So I say to the priest, I want to come and talk to you. Right. You know, and so my mom's like, oh, okay, go do that. Because she was like, everything I did, she was just like, you exhaust me. You know, I can't just play with the, you know everything. She's just exhausted by me. So I sat at this meeting with the priest yeah. and I'm like, <laughs> you know, this is when I told him about my like, you know, uh-huh. saying mass, yada, yada. And I played guitar. So he thought I was going to ask to play guitar at some at event. mass. And okay. he was like, well, you can play guitar at mass. And I was like. Okay, wait, no, that's not what I'm here for. I, but I really want to be an altar boy. And because if I'm going to be a priest, I thought that was like, you know, the internship program. It I is. I didn't realize that. Yet it actually is. Things. Yeah. So um, he was like, freaked by me. Wow. And then he was like, well, you can't. And then in that whole, I'm trying to pull something out of my ass as an adult way. Right. And the rubbing on the pants, you know how they do <laughs> when they rub on their pants and their knees and they're trying to think. He's trying to think. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, You can't because it's called altar boy. Oh, that was the whole... That was what he said. And like, again, not trying to be confrontational. I was being helpful. Said, well, why don't you just call the altar boys, altar boys, and the altar girls, altar girls? I have solved a problem. You, look at this. Thousands of years of Catholicism. Yeah. Uh, And then here comes Liz Winstead, child (laughs) prodigy. (laughs) Uh, Right. And then he was like, well... Uh, why don't you write the bishop? And so I was like, he was just passing the buck. I was right, so annoyed. Right. It was like, just when right. your parents go to talk to your dad. It was like yeah. bullshit. So I go and I go, okay, I'll get, okay, I'm going to write the bishop. Now I'm going to write the bishop. I'm going to get a petition. And have everybody sign it. Nobody <laughs> wanted to. It was like a disaster. So I write the letter to the bishop. Right. And my mom's like, well, what did the priest say? And I go, he told me to write the letter to Bishop Roach was the bishop's name in Minnesota. Oh, do you remember right, right. I do vaguely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you how you probably remember in a minute. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, Bishop Roach, my mom goes, oh, that's good. So I was like, really? That's good? <laughs> yeah. Like She's not saying you exhaust me. She's like, right. go to your room and write Bishop Roach. So what I found out was... Bishop Roach, massive drunk. Okay. Like, worst kept secret in the archdiocese. <laughs> the guy was just like, a dr- and my mom would make lunch for the priests every day. That was her like little job, and, and she and- never got a dime. Oh, she made like five cents. Okay. But more than once, as she, w- she the, the bishop came and ate lunch with our priest. Okay. And helped himself. T- was overserved by himself. Right. The, uh, the brown liquids right right the sure brown that liquids. which was available so um it all came to a sad public uh ending when bishop roach um plowed hammered into a 711 there we go. <laughs> what year was that? In the eighties. In the eighties. I vaguely yeah. vaguely remember. Yeah. And I want to say it might have been during Lent, but I'm not entirely sure. What I think. It might well, be. he didn't give up drinking for Lent. Apparently, I think that might have been an old act. We're, a we're, bit from my act. We're in yeah. Lent right now. We're in Lent right now. I gave up hope. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew hope. I know. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. So um he never wrote me back. Obviously, right? And I never got to be an altar boy. Right. And it the whole thing kind of, so I had to work for like, so I did get paid a little bit to play so guitar did, mass. Right. And you, and you did babysitting and and like, what was your yeah, first job? I did a little bit of babysitting, but yeah. you know what? It was because t- you didn't like kids. No. In fact, kids didn't like me either. It was just this obvious. Do <laughs> you know why? Because you didn't like them. That's right. They, I, they and, can and, tell they're like, that's dogs. right. I ask people, I go, have you ever had a baby scowl at you? And they go, no. And I go, that's right. Because you like babies. I've had people actually scowl at me. <laughs> Like, it's just, but they don't even, you know, here's my, I'm not a huge baby fan. I'm not good with babies because they don't get my jokes. No, and they don't have scotch and they never have (laughs) patches. Babies to me are useless. And farting is not holding up your end of a conversation. Like, uh, I don't find it's cute. And I like toddlers though
1: from uh, toddlers
0: on i i'm a, i'm quite, kind of a hit with toddlers i got this whole up high down low cut the pickle get a tickle thing oh it's i'm a it's a big hit works with toddlers all the way up into a uh, double digits quite honestly uh, i i I, I like them at about uh well actually i'm in love with my friend's baby um right now who's one a little over one but um well, more it. mostly mostly just because you i like there. them when they're a little older yeah, I like them when they're or when I can take them places like and yeah. then you know to Planned Parenthood for example. to I like get to their first get big pass, to, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To to get, get like, the, purse, the pills. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's nice. So yeah, I'm so I just so <clears throat> my point in all of this as yeah. backwardness is that I didn't want. I just didn't have the drive to have a traditional life to right. get married, have kids. Yeah. I wanted to pursue you know travel a bunch and yeah. pursue whatever came my way, and I you know. Curiosity to me, I always say, is more like a vital organ than it is. It it just, I can't help it. Right. And so when people would say no or would, would, there would be a roadblock, um, it would be, I would literally collapse with fear that they were trying to stop me from just learning, keeping my eyes wide open and, and trying something new. Okay. So it was like I would get, physically panicked so as we talk about you know transvaginal this and taking away people's rights to have birth control and every other thing i'm like right if i didn't have birth control Mm -hmm. i couldn't be the person i am right you know i couldn't i couldn't live my dreams right you know and so and i'm sure many people feel that way you know they can't afford another kid or a kid right and stuff and you want to do your life on sort of your terms right and you and you get to you, yeah. I mean, that's what, uh, that's what the United States, I mean, in, in, that's what the human experience is, is that we're the bossy Magoos of the planet. Well, right. And so if you want to be the bossy Magoo of the planet, you get to sort of figure out, and quite honestly, seven billion people, that's yeah, the, that's the species isn't going to die no. out at any time. No. It's going to be fine. Well, and, and also it's like, if I feel that much, like, overwhelming anxiety, right. others do. Other people want to explore right, their dreams alone. and stuff. Nobody, I'm not alone. Yeah, so nobody's. No, while, nobody's. While alone in my this stuff. personal relationship with that is the catalyst, it's because I don't want to see women not be able to right pursue and grow to their potential. Right. And and the fact that there's one, if there's even one man out there who's trying to prevent that from happening, or one woman, or one woman, I mm-hmm. would like them stopped. Right. And so I think that's what propelled me to just like go on these crazy rampages, whether it's talking about the poor and cutting their programs or or demonizing people who don't have a lot of money or women or people of color, you know, it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. (laughs) Right. Are you really fucking kidding me? Johnny privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what do you, I mean, it's, you know, the only thing I tend to think about with the poor, uh, and more and more lately is I just think about the number of geniuses that are just being thrown away every year because you're like that guy could be the, that kid that doesn't have anything that's going to grow up and just end up wrestling somebody to the ground for twelve dollars. Right. Um, he might actually have the potential to have the cure for cancer, or yeah. you know, or figure out a way to, you know, fix the planet. And uh, you yes. know, I mean, it could be that that young boy or girl could be the one. And you are like, well, my kids are, you know, and and you know, there's there's just such a it's kind, it feels obnoxious. Well, and the fact that you don't want to invest in. <clears throat> the potential of the possible potential. You know, it's it's sort of like, you know, every time you look at People magazine's fifty most beautiful people issue, yeah. They're all famous. <laughs> Oddly enough, the most beautiful people in the world are always famous. They're always famous. Are you saying that there's good-looking people that are not famous? I'm saying that m- there's a strong possibility <laughs> that there's, there's evidence really, to suggest <laughs> that others' genetics uh, make up. There might be some good-looking people that are hiding somewhere in the yes, middle. Yes, that I don't didn't know, make it into Toledo. People Magazine. That didn't make it. All right. Yeah, it was just some lady who happens to be a freaking knockout. You don't know her. That's Turns right. out. Turns it's out you un- don't know her. <laughs> Yep. Uh, it's a classic thing in stand-up comedy because you, people always say, who are your favorite comics? And you're like, you don't even know them. You don't right. know them. You don't know them. They're the, they're the three people that I never leave the room when they go on stage. Who are yours? Oh, um, well, and it's, and there are so many, and there, I've said them a thousand times on the show. It's Maria Bamford. Yeah. It is Dana Gould. Yeah. And it is Stuart Lee from okay. the UK. And I just talked to Hari Kondabolu about, because Hari Kondabolu's, Stuart is his favorite comic. Like he, to the point where he just admires him in a Bill Hicksian kind of, the way that people love Lenny Bruce, the way that people love Mitch Hedberg. Right. Hari Kondabolu enjoys the work of live stand-up comic, Stuart Lee. (laughs) And I, which is amazing. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to have that be your favorite, your, 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 it's like, it's like your favorite living author, essentially. Right. You'd be like, oh my God, I got to meet. I don't know Stephen King or Patterson or I don't know. Somebody. Oh my God! Please tell me those would not be your dreams. Oh no, no, no! I actually want to meet Dick Cavett. But uh, I've met Dick Cavett. You've met Dick Cavett. I've met Dick Cavett. Why have we been talking about anything else? I don't know why. I, How? I, uh, well, Where? What <clears throat> in in happened? Hotel room. What? Um, we were film A and E a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Did a two-hour special on late night. Okay. And they were interviewing me as one yeah, of the talking guests. Yeah, why don't heads. I tell people, uh, Liz, <laughs> Liz Winstead, creator of The Daily Show, fucking A. Hi, that could have come up a little bit earlier. But no, I you'll to say it in the intro. I figured you'd say it in the intro. Oh, it'll it'll come up. Oh, that's true. I'll say it in the intro, and it'll be in the notes, of course. Yeah. And then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they were talking to me about The Daily Show. The Daily Show in my time period there, and Dick yes. Cavett was the interview after me. Oh. And so he was sitting through my interview, and he was like, um, you're a very smart woman. Oh, and nice. Like, oh, my God, Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett said that. Oh, I know. That's freaking awesome. No, I know. I was pretty impressed myself. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No one looks smoother in a turtleneck. Oh, he looks good in a turtleneck? Honey. It's not – he's rocket How rocking. could you not know that? You know, here's the thing. <clears throat> I, I saw him – I saw him speak with uh, um, Mel Brooks because uh, of his new book, and I went to this theater event where uh, Mel Brooks interviewed Dick Cavett, and what happened was is Dick Cavett ed- ended up interviewing Mel Brooks, and uh, Carl Reiner was in the audience, and they gave Carl Reiner a uh, a microphone and him and Mel Brooks started playing 2000 year old man. Oh my God. And I was like, I, I could die right now and it would be fine because it was so great. It was just so beautiful to see all that. And I, and I really do, but you read Dick Cavett's book and you think to yourself, you are very, very lucky that you're as smart as you are because you're kind of a tool. Cause you're so, he's such a fricking bossy he man. He enjoys himself. Oh, he is. He is very certain of how smart he is. Um, yeah, he, he seems to enjoy Dick Cavett. Right. And there's, and the lilting tones of the voice of Dick Cavett. Exactly. Okay. The, here's my cool one, if we're going to brag. When I did last comic standing, um, I can't remember his name. Penny Marshall's brother. Rob Reiner? <laughs> nope. Penny Marshall's brother. Oh, yes. Shlomiel Shlomizel, inventor. Yeah. Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. The most famous of the Marshalls. But I like to call him Penny Marshall's brother. Yeah. Uh, Penny Marshall's brother, Gary Marshall, was one of the uh, fake judges on the last comic standing. And um, I, it was the first. So those I judges did. don't judge anything? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, they don't have any power. Oh, but uh, They don't? No, no. I know it's a shock. It's not even on anymore. I know that. Yeah. I never watched it, can no, I be honest? No. Oh my god, uh neither did I. So, and I was on it. But you went far, didn't you? No, I made the semi I made the semifinals twice. And so, but uh, I never made the house. NBC has never wished to go in a Jackie Cajun direction. And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. And uh but the what was it uh um Gary Marshall I did my set and it went really well. Uh and he said you're very talented. And that was the, the entire sentence. But it's a sentence I treasure because it was Gary Marshall. Can I tell you that my most treasured? Yes. Ever? hmm Okay. So let's brag about ourselves. I like it. I think we got to do it. We got to do it. So you nobody know, any, else is doing it's it. It's any crumb. Any crumb. <laughs> any crumb. So I, um, per- uh, years ago, did this, like, satire uh, special for Comedy Central that was a spoof of Amy's biography. Yes. And I created a character that was like a – it was like a hybrid of like Nancy Spongin and – do you know that is, Jackie? Nope. Sid and Nancy. Sid and Nancy. I'm Nancy Spongin. Yeah, okay. and then like Gia, the supermodel that was the heroin addict. Okay. So it was like this hybrid worst I- fashion icon person ever. Okay. Right. Awesome. And so you follow the life of this Gia. And then right. we got real people <laughs> like Cindy Lauper and David Johansen and Blondie and all these people talked about David her. Duchovny's wife. No, that's a different one. That that's was a different. different. Okay. So, um, so she, so you follow this? It was looked just like a biography with people talking about her, and they right? made up these stories. Blah <laughs> blah blah. And then she died. The pan then, and scan. Yeah, right. and then she um, was tragically murdered in front of a baby gap. Shot down. <laughs> <laughs> Your Milo. Car- Milo, your character was tragic. A baby gap. Baby gap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it airs on Comedy Central. Right. And yeah. I was excited. <laughs> and I got home and hit my answer machine and I hear Liz Winstead. <gasps> this is Bill Murray. What? I saw your special. You're funny. Goodbye. Oh my god. And I was like did you save it? I accidentally erased it. Fuck. But the reason I can tell this story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, so what happened was, a friend of mine, another Minnesotan, Kim Tillman. Yes. My high school friend. There you is go. He's a costume designer in LA. Okay. She was working on a film with Bill Murray. Ah. So Bill Murray walks into his trailer to get... Fixed up. And he said, right. I saw the funniest thing on TV last night. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, my God. That's my dear friend from home. From high school. From high school. You got to call her and tell her oh my how, God. how funny it was. And so she dialed up my number and he said it on the phone. So she, at least I have, when I tell the story. You have corroborative evidence. I have evidence. corroborative evidence. Because I have no corroborative evidence of the Gary Marshall moment. Because instead of showing that on Last Comic Standing, which would have been an excellent example of why I should have moved forward. right? They showed... um yeah, you know what? Somebody I'm, farting in a tub. <laughs> they showed the guy who uh I also never watched Saturday Night Live. So he was the black actor from Saturday Night Live for many years, Garrett Morris. No, after him, and Charles Tim, Rocket, Tim Meadows, maybe? Oh, Who's, Tim Meadows. It was person. Tim Meadows. Yes. There, he was he was a gentleman <laughs> and uh, a working gentleman, and uh, he it was him asking me. Instead, they they did something where they asked me where I was from, and it was the dumbest interview. Instead of Gary Marshall asking me a question about my dad and telling me that I was funny and very talented, they did Tim Meadows asking me about uh, what state I was from. And uh, so I have no corroborative evidence. But I know in my heart that Gary Marshall thought I was funny for a heartbeat. That's good to know. And you know what? That's going to keep me warm at night like Red Dawn. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, so you have been doing political material, though, almost from the beginning, do you think? No. No. Mm-hmm. I, first five years of my career. Mm-hmm. Let's see it. No. First seven years of my career. I did observational humor mixed in with a little bit of, um, like kind of, you know, my first sort of socio-political material that sort of crept into my act was, Kind of about the way women were treated in the media, magazines, you know, the expectations that we are, you know, supposed to be. Oh, great, because because you were observing just like media, like it was pop culture kind of stuff. and then when you're in it, all of a sudden it's like, you know, when there's articles, I'll never forget, there was an article, I think in Cosmo, that was like, how to achieve orgasm while giving birth, and I was just like, (laughs) okay... If women are required to be sexual beings all the time, like what a problematic society we live in and a problematic woman's magazine. Right. Like, how do we right. orgasm while caulking your windows? Like, when should we not be orgasmic? Is it okay for me to not be orgasmic occasionally? No, I, right now, Jackie, I'm coming. Are you, are you, or, are right you now, know, right orgasming? you? you I'm orgasming. I'm going to orgasm twice before the end of this program. Yeah, Here's clearly. My, I, I, I think you did when you said Dick Cavett. I frankly. had a, uh, oh, they're very close. But I was, uh, the first time I was on... um Marin's podcast, it was a live, live pod. Right. And he was, we were talking about sex or something, of course. And, uh, we were talking about sex and I said, when do I get to give up? When do I get to just not be a sexual person anymore? And you would have thought I had slapped him in the face because he was like, what do you mean? Why would you? And I was like, like 60, can I just call it a date when I'm 60? Can I just go, well, I I don't have to be sexy anymore. I can just be clean. Right. I can just be tidy and, um, and I can just be, and still be sexual. Well, I can be sexual with the person that I'm sexual with, right? Right. Until yeah. I die. Yeah. Or as long as that lasts. But I don't have to be like, like, you You see like women in their, in their sixties and seventies who are have cleavage. And you're like, ladies, no one needs to see a sternum. I don't need to see your sternum in your seventies. Well, I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's. I don't know why you dress sexy in your seventies. Well, here's the deal. You can be very sexy in your seventies. But I don't know why you're. That's ambitious. You're. I think. Uh-uh. No? Have you, have you seen Ooh. judy dench in a bikini no oh all right we, I will, all of you <laughs> google we can, it can happen judy dench in a bikini because she's like 70 now right and you're gonna be like she's going blind very sad yeah she has mac, macular, as my mother calls it immaculate degeneration <laughs> <laughs> not kidding catholicism so it's everywhere oh Excellent. not to mention she's like she half deaf and and what? so it takes an in information wrong constantly what? so she's oh. uh a deaf joke. i got it i got yeah, it it took times. me a minute i'm so sorry no worries um but <laughs> i think that to constantly be defining yourself um as sexy through yeah. these obvious pictures in a magazine or what young kids are doing that are sexy there's shit that's just tacky Right. And when your cleavage is longer than the Great Wall of China, it's not <laughs> attractive. It's ugly. You know, there's a, there's an amount of cleavage that you go, I think immigrants are swimming across her chest <laughs> to get into the United States. I do firmly believe that might be happening. I think that they're looking for Mordor. Yes, like, I think they're, so. They're coming from the, the yeah, Misty the fire, Mountains. the fire. <laughs> there's the Misty Mountains, and then there's the, the Mordor. Yeah. And, uh, when you're cleavage, it's like the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't. I think you're thinking of the Plains of Rohan. Yes, anyway. the Plains of Rohan. <laughs> I was thinking in the distance, that flaming. And then there it was, a flame. Yeah. But the, what the... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is if you're sexy, like, you can be sexual, I say, until your last freaking breath. I'm all, my father, still getting laid, he's still out there, he's playing the games. See, I, I would say, if you are saying, when can I just check out, basically, <laughs> and just bathe, that's par- that's par- uh, do you, I would say, do you feel sexy? Do I feel sexy? Um, because because part yes. of feeling sexy... hmm Whatever that means for you. Right. Um, If you can continually feel sexy, yes. you'll give that off. Right. But I question yes. when you say, at what point can I just basically watch my badge and hope somebody still fucks me? <laughs> that is not what I'm going for. But maybe it's uh, – you know what? I bet you that's exactly what it sounded like I wanted. I think it's – well, it's, it's the um, – You know, and, and and it's judgmental just because I know, I mean, the crazy thing is, is this is how I dress, right? It's jeans and a t-shirt and a pair of sneakers. But you're sexy because you own it. Right. And I mean, it's fine. But, and, and then, and then for, for, I just, when you see women who have always dressed in a certain way, you know, they've always dressed in tight clothes and, and high heels and, and very, very pretty, very fashionable kind of things. There's no reason to stop. Like, listen to me backpedal, but I've, I've actually just co- sort of coming to the realization that they get to continue to dress like they did when they were 12 as well. But they've, here's what I think. What? They've made a decision about when they peaked oh. like, in their beauty. Okay, like 33 then, or Let's say they latched on to that look where okay. they were, they were. they felt they were the most pleasing. Okay. And then they keep that going. Right, because if you'll notice with these women who have the cleavage and the crazy, right, it often feels like—is um, that from now? You oh, kind of still look like you're on Dallas, right? You just kind of still have right. that big hair and and you know like right. weird jewelry and weird. Well, they're nails. they're still dressing like like Morgan Fairchild. Is yes. Still they're still—it's like, like Morgan Fairchild from see, the '80s. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you don't evolve out of your fashion and good knows I have had some horrible bouts of fashion. fashion choices. Yes. yes. And you just kinda of move on. But I kinda of think I'm in it. Greg like- Greg Barron's wife, Amira, took me shopping once. And I really I liked what she chose for me fashion wise. And it was probably probably seven, eight years ago. And she got me a pair of cargo shorts <laughs> and um I was dressed like a skate punk. Yeah. And I must have been 35 years old. And I would like to dress like that forever. But you look cute as a skate punk. I'm fine. But the thing is, is when I am 50 years old and I'm wearing skate punk clothes, you should mock me as much as anybody else who's wearing, you know. But I wear cargo pants and a tank top and I'm right. 50. Right. But, but what, but the thing is, is it's not, yeah, well, I mean, I think that's my point: is that is that we should all get to dress like we've always dressed, you know? Like, just because I happen to dress in a way that I don't have cleavage, doesn't mean that the woman who's always had cleavage since she was eighteen should have to stop having cleavage when she. No, she, was she can have all the cleavage all she wants, to, you know. Yeah. And, if, and and I'm and, and, and I and yeah, that's all. The I The feedback meant, and, for her must be that there are people who, who want to see it. Yeah, who yeah. are responding to that look still. Right, right. You know, and mm-hmm. good for them. You know, it's not something I would choose. No, no. No, and that's, it's and it's not that's something I would have chosen ever really back then. I mean, right. I'll wear an evening gown with a little... Right, when I go out. Not to the grocery store. No, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's there are people who walk their dogs where they're tricked out in a, in a two or three inch heel. Yeah. That you're like, oh, you wear those shoes all the time. Yeah. That's the kind of shoe you feel comfortable in because you've been wearing them for 70 years. Right. And I... Wanna wear a sneaker all the time. And, uh, when I have to wear a, a hard shoe, uh, <laughs> cause I'm... Do a you own sneaker. a heel? <laughs> I, I, I don't really. Do you have, own a dress? I own several dresses. What I do, do you wear a, with the dresses? I, I wear a flat. Okay. I enjoy Not a flat. Not even a small kicky heel? I don't, I don't do it. You know, you know what I've always wanted to wear is, a uh, a Mary Jane. You, you know what they have? What? and i own and you can own too what it's a mary jane with a little heel okay and they're and the heel is um thick, thick thick it's like, oh, like it's like a supportive like, it's, heel it's not a stiletto no it's not a slut. no and it's like this and maybe this high just okay. a little so just an inch yeah I'll send you the link. Send me a link. I'll send you the link. And I will pass that link on. pass the link to the dorks. To the dorks because there might be a shoe dork out there. And, you know, if there's a shoe dork, and let me just tell you something about as we talk about clothes and stuff like that. Right. Um, Anything that you see that you think is cool, Mm -hmm. immediately go to eBay and find it. Oh. Because anything that is like jeans that seem expensive or shoes or whatever, someone's selling it on eBay for half the price. They really? bought it and they're selling it and they had it last year and they're getting rid of them. Yes. They just had it. All, any kind of. Any size, yeah. any shape, All of it, any color. Anything. I have never anything. had a problem finding any, I want a green cashmere those? sweater. Yeah. eBay. Yes. Okay. I'm obsessed with it. I like finding <clears> that <throat> out, minute 47. Minute 47, the word obsessed comes about something yeah. we haven't discussed yeah. at all. Yeah, I know. Bummer. That's, Good job, no, Liz. It's a classic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic Dork yeah. Forest moment. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so wait. So like if you look at somebody and you go, oh, my God, that is one of those trench coats that the Columbine kids wear. Yeah. Because um, Andy's always wanted one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, all you got, if you, you want How, that, you what, go what, to eBay Google? and you Google black male duster coat. It's a duster. That's what they're called. That's right. That's right. And that's a Jay Peterman kind of thing. Oh, man. Remember when the first time you read those catalogs? I ordered from those catalogs. Oh, me too. There was one called Tweeds. Oh. Do you remember Tweeds? Many, many items from Tweeds. There was always some just douchebag leaning against something looking off into the distance. Well, I know always people like Chico's (laughs) is the same way. Where there's a woman in some like, I haven't really traveled to foreign lands, but I'm wearing clothes that look like I might have. Standing on a beach or on a dock. Right. He's like, are you going fishing in <laughs> your, in your, in your outfit, in your long right. maud vest? In, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Which yeah. Which I believe is, all I believe is landlocked. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though there are small. Yeah, they're small on lakes. a dock, staring, uh, in literally a full length, um, vest. <laughs> right. Like, like an, like, with an like animal print. The, the deadliest cat. Yeah. And, uh, with a chunky jewel. <laughs> do you remember when everybody when banana republic actually dr- was banana republic yeah. i do because you could get like a pith helmet yeah and and they thought it was funny yeah and i was with them and now Safari clothes. close and now they, it's like an Safari ann taylor clothes. now yeah. it's like an ann taylor kind of moment i know ann taylor says you've given up ann taylor you know what uh eileen fisher is is quite honestly my guilty pleasure Cause they're, and, and it's not the, it's not the clothes of the Meryl Streep mingling wrinkles movie, uh, with, with, um, Jack Nicholson or whatever. It's not, it's not that Meryl, it's not, cause I love, I would love to wear those clothes. What's it, what's it called? As good as it gets or? Yeah, you mean the one with have No, no, it, both of them. Okay. It was written by the same woman, Nancy, whatever. Yeah, they're, she's, I like both of those movies. Yeah, yeah, I call them the mingling wrinkles movies cause yeah. they're romantic comedies with old people. Yeah. And, um, but. It's complicated in that. It's complicated. Meryl Streep wore essentially, uh, all linens, yeah. a lot of linens, and she has the right body for it. She's probably five, seven, and she's very thin. Yeah. Whenever I put linen on, no, I look like I've been rolling around with a dog. I think linen is a very hard thing to pull off. People, he he here's the very deal very about linen. Yes. I, <laughs> I feel like linen was made for traveling in the desert. Never sitting. Not, yeah. That, it only looks good when there's a breeze and you're walking in it, if you plan on sitting throughout your day, right, do not buy linen. It's complicated. She's constantly wearing them See? out in a garden, yeah, and so the wind is ruffling it, which is yes. nice, and so it looks great, yeah. But you can't garden in linen, not in some sort of light linen, not scrabbling around in the dirt trying to like like get your carrots going. That's not. uh no. That's by the way. That's a that's going to be my new my new gardening book. Get your carrots going. Get your carrots going. <laughs> by education, yeah. good. I like it. But yeah, I, but I like, um, but I, I do like Eileen Fisher for, for basics. Like I have a black turtleneck. I have, um, I have a, I I believe a you know, but I did try to buy those. It's complicated clothes when, when it came out, I was like, maybe, maybe I could wear those clothes and look all sort of gardeny and it didn't work. It didn't No, but I went with friends and I bought two pairs of linen pants and a linen shirt and I look like a maroon. I look like, I I didn't know, I don't know what I look like. But it was actually, then I went to the desert and I brought those clothes and I was actually quite comfortable. I'm a vintage person. Are you? Almost 100% entirely. Secondhand, like thrifties? Both. Thrift stores? Both. I go from eBay. Right. To... I like this red sweater. Salvation Armani. Mhm. Oh, very nice. eBay. Oh, that's an eBay purchase. Cashmere. That is a Cashmere. $20 v-neck. Yeah. Red sweater. Now, the under. Yeah, what's the white underneath? T-shirt. This is the saddest thing. I refuse to get rid of this t-shirt. I'm going to show you. Okay. How sad it is. Right? Oh, yeah, it's ripped up hardcore. No, it's really bad. It's trashed. And I've been trying to find it on eBay. What is it? It is from the, the gap. Remember when they did that red collection and the money went to AIDS? Yeah. yeah. Well, this was in this collection. And so I'm desperately trying to find is it. Is it a long sleeve cotton t-shirt? It's called, a, um, it's a V, a waffle V neck. Okay. <laughs> with red trim. Right. That's ripped everywhere. Everywhere. Like the back. It's disintegrated. It's disintegrated, but I can't give it up. I'm like. Right. So you're using it for layering. I didn't have a blankie. Right. Uh, but I think this is my adult blankie. I, uh, I sleep with books. You do? I do. I tend to cu- cu- cuddle up with some books. Wow. I know it. But Are you going to cuddle up with my book? I will cuddle up. Liz Free or Die? <laughs> nice. Well done. Well <laughs> done, my friend. Well done. It's, uh, so, uh, as we go into, let's, let's talk about it. Last eight minutes. We're, well, this is going to come out in May. Yeah. Let's talk about Um, when is that, uh, when is that, that convention, those, uh, the Republicans are going to have? Oh, goodness gracious. There's two of them because the Democrats will have one too. Oh, that's right. Of course. Everybody will have one. Yeah. The Republicans are the the last weekend of August. Okay. And the Democrats are labor. It starts Labor Day. Okay, And then goes through September. Yeah. The first, but isn't wait. Yes. Isn't the election in November? Yes. Are they having it in September because we know that, because uh, they're the incumbents? They're having it in September because they always do. Wait. They yes. always have it in September. Sub- all- <laughs> I have a degree in political science. You don't. I do. Is that true? It's true. Well, so far you're wowing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Southeast Asian Studies. So okay, if you want to talk perfect. about Sukarno. Oh, you know, uh, if we could talk about the skulls. And, <laughs> Please, the skulls oh, of Cambodia. It's uh, yes, but but the thing is, is so they but they do they have it the September before the election. Yes, they always have it September October two and a half months yes. before the election for the president of the United States. Yes, that seems like bad planning. Wouldn't no. they want their nominee to have the six months or whatever to? to they like, have to have a primary process. I suppose that, you know. That's the thing. So and they the, have primary to have the primary pro- process. process is all happening the year before we, we'll, because oh, it's unending. You it's know a, what? It's unending. It goes on for so long. I know. And as we I get am- to know these people, yeah, it is like seriously. If I I feel really bad for Republicans, because you look at these candidates and you're, it's like oh, for the over oh, regular Republicans who are trying to find someone to vote for, yes, you that kind of thing, yeah. Oh because yeah, because it's like trying to figure out which package of expired meat might be safe enough to eat. <laughs> It's pathetic. Pork from November of two thousand seven. Yeah, maybe That's I'm gonna the go, way with to that. go I'm going with that. But here's but I mean, they're both so broken. You know, both of the parties are such a mess. Yeah. In the fact that the 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 dem the, 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 the Democrats sabotage themselves. They essentially cockblock themselves on a regular basis. Well they don't follow the platform of the party. Right. But the Republicans are tearing each other apart like a pack of wild dogs. It's so good to watch. Well, it's I mean it's entertainment if you can sit through it, but right. it but I have a hard time. I'm hard time with tension. So um me just going. Oh, I don't like any of these people, but I don't necessarily want to see them all killed. Oh, um, I, I lo- oh I I watch it like <laughs> you watch it like it's a like, like it's a time going show. on safari. <laughs> exactly. You're like I've seen the Big Five. <laughs> can we drive by the zebras again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. awesome. I want to see the leopard. Eat, eat, eat the hoodoo. And then what are the hyenas doing? Let's see what the hyenas are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that the party on some level should be happy that, um, it's elevating what the party has become to a really high level so that regular folk Republicans Mm -hmm. can go, we cannot have these psychotic people who have one issue. Who have like they're True. not they're they are hate women and gays, well yeah but they're, it, it's all it has almost entirely to do with people's sex lives yes and very all little of it. but and the Republican Party traditionally was you know or at least the last fifty years correct me if I'm wrong has been some sort of talk about fiscal responsibility right well that sort of stopped with the Moral Majority in Falwell and Reagan and switched from that I mean you can call yourself fiscally responsible if you want but Ronald Reagan. Wasn't. Raised taxes? How many times? Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, and so, and just got us into debt. And, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you know, there's much conversation that can be had about what fiscal responsibility is. Right. It and certainly the, the hasn't been under Bush, right? Because the thing is, is they're claiming things that when you look up the definition of those things, you're actually not those things, right? Right, but they're using the word because it's a button word, right? And it just it it's so. It just, I don't understand, I don't understand. I used to lie a lot when I was probably in, in high school. I Why? did a lot of lying. Well, it was a lot of work, it turns out. And I stopped lying when I went to college because I was like, oh, it's easier to tell the truth. Yeah, because you don't have to remember it. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of them. And the other thing is, is
1: it There's just feels thing?
0: gross. Yeah. It just feels so weird to be full of lies where you're like, yeah, I suppose it's a memory thing where I, where you got to remember what all the lies are. And you're like, I don't under, I don't, (laughs) I don't know why anyone would want to lie that much. No. Is there, is there that much money involved? Yes. There is. But wouldn't the money, isn't the money still there even if you aren't lying? If you're not lying, you're not, um, you're not trying. Cobbling up, (laughs) right? You know, ratcheting up the emotion of the people who are going to give you the money. And, And it's so crazy now when you look at Newt Gingrich has one donor you know now that we've passed this who is it is it his dad it's a guy named Sheldon Adelson Adelson A D E L mm-hmm. S O N who is a um Vegas um casino magnate who has given him well, 30 million dollars and he has one donor and and because of this law that the supreme court said you know is it legal or corporations yeah, or exactly. people exactly or- citizens united was the uh, supreme court ruling that said corporations are people and that um you know money is free speech and shouldn't be limited.
1: Right. And
0: so you look at this and you're like, one guy can get out there and spew, spew, spew with the support of one person. Right. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Hey, it sounds like a nightmare. Anyway, hey, um, buy, my book. <laughs> buy your book. But you know, my, <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite stories by Elliot Cation, um, I have several, but uh, the one that comes to mind is when I was about eight or nine years old and then we were learning about the fall of the Mesopotamian Babylonian empires. And I, I, I'm the youngest of six, so I got very little face time with my dad. You had about 15 to 30 seconds to really catch his attention. And so we're, for some reason, we were alone in the house. And we're, we're, the television, for some reason, was also not on. And so he said, well, what would you learn in school today? And I said, well, we're studying the end of the Mesopotamian Empire, uh, Babylonian Empire. And he goes, hmm, well, what, do, what, what, what did it tell you about empire? And I said, that all empires fail. And I actually got his full attention for the very first time. And he looked at me and he said, what does that tell you about America? And I said, that one day America will fail and not be an empire anymore? And he's like. That's right. And it was the first time my dad was ever proud of me. Wow. A little creepy to do with a nine-year-old. But uh, on the whole, <laughs> it was an excellent... There's trip. creepier things people have done with nine-year-olds. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> on that note... <laughs> Liz Winstead, please, everybody, buy your book. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, you can it's pre-order it. It's not a memoir, it, but it's a it. memoir. It's essays. It's funny. It's hopefully you'll, you somewhat know, Somewhat political, enjoy. but somewhat family it's, You know related. what? It's not really it's, – it's political in its tone of who I am as a person. Right. A, a right-wing okay. person would say it's political because I talk about feminism and, you know, who I am and, you and know, and you sexuality yeah. and stuff like that. But I don't talk about politics per se. It's more of a journey – it's more of a journey of somebody who – if you're anybody in the world who's trying to just explore and create and have stumbled and have choked and had to get back up on the horse, that's who it really is. Uh, it will show you that really just – if you stay in the game, your endurance is like 90 percent of it. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing Thanks, the show. Thanks, Jackie. Yay. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around. My hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that?